Hey Tom, what do Coventry City have in common with the pop band Hearsay? I don't know, Dave. The last time anyone heard of either of them was in 2001. <laughs> well, I think you found them on Sky Sports on Saturday night. Yeah. Well, well, you were. You, how did that go? Uh, 1-1 draw at home. Really? Uh, got a very lucky penalty, but yeah. there was a torrential monsoon that prevented yeah. us from taking the win. I did. I, 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 I wrote that joke myself, and, uh, as you might <laughs> have gathered. Uh, and I, 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 was trying, I, I knew you were going to be on the show tonight, so I thought I'd do a Coventry gag. Yeah. Uh, my other one, which I got halfway to writing, and I couldn't quite get a punchline, so I thought I'd share it with you, and we can maybe come up with a punchline, because half of it, uh, the question's really good. So I wrote, what's the difference between Coventry City and Robin Hood? Right, and my idea was, I wanted to do a joke about you're going to get mugged in Nottingham. Because <laughs> you're going to play Notts County. But I couldn't work out a way to put that into a good punchline. Can you do that for me? Surely you could do a joke about us only finishing in the top six once in the past 40 years. Yeah, I could have done that. Well, that, well top six of the Premier League. Top six of any league. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> this is your best finish in a long time. Since 1967, when we went up to the top flight. Yeah. Goodness. Congratulations. Thanks very much, Dave. You're still getting done by Notts County, though. Um, <laughs> I did get a Wayne Rooney joke as well, but I, did, I thought it was, A, not very... You, you have to explain it. It's something about him shagging a granny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so I thought, A, is it, is it in questionable taste? And B, will it make sense? Yeah, I, I didn't write this one. I nicked this off the internet, but I'll, I'll share it with you. Yeah. Um, why did Rooney consider a contract... Actually, I, I adapted it, so it's current. Okay. Right. Why did Rooney consider a contract offer from Juventus before agreeing to DC United? Tell us, Dave. Uh, he's always interested in an approach from an old lady. Oh. <laughs> so it was about Shane well, the reason I, yeah. well, the reason I didn't know if that would work is because I didn't know Juventus are called the old lady. I'd never heard of that before. Am I missing something obvious? Did you never watch Is that like it? really famous? Did you never watch uh, Serie A in the 90s with James yeah. Richardson? Well, yeah, but obviously I didn't pick that up. But You obviously weren't watching him in the yeah. piazza reading through his uh, yeah, the, yeah. the newspaper eating gelato. Well, I, I just think if you've got to Google what the answer means, then it's probably not the right question. By the way, Armchair Fancast is on the air. No, I, don't. I haven't actually said an intro yet. Dave Bradshaw here. Uh, Tom Crosby is here, as you've gathered. He's, uh, uh, as we know, a Coventry City fan. Tom, how's your week been? Yeah, it's been alright. Uh, just did my boots off at the weekend and uh, okay. participating in a seven-a-side uh, mm. tournament. Uh, we'll be giving up until the next year. Yeah. Unless you want to start a tournament, armchair fancast, seven-a-side. Let us know. To be honest, I'm a little bit upset with you, Tom, because we've uh, we, we just been playing FIFA before we started recording, and I've been on, like, what is it, like a six-week winning streak against you? Well, it helps when we only play once every six weeks. Well, yeah. <laughs> we've played at least like six times. <laughs> I would say we play on average once a week. Uh, I've, beat, I've been on holiday for a few weeks, Dave. I've, beat, I've beaten you at least five times in a row, is what I'm saying. Anyway, it all went horribly, horribly wrong today. Can we also say that Dave's actually refused to upgrade to FIFA 18 and is still playing FIFA 05 with Dennis Bergkamp on the it's, front? No, it's FIFA 17, and I am strongly considering 18 now because they're doing that World Cup update, aren't they? And it's probably about 9.99 in the shops. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we could get it now because yeah, it's only, it's only going to be like three months till. Till 19 comes out. When It's like September normally, September, isn't it? Yeah. Something September, like that. Yeah. Uh, Alex Dugan's here. Dugan, you uh, successfully uh, solidified second place over the past week. You must be very proud. Yeah. yeah. Proud of second. Or, always. Yeah. yeah. No. No shame in silver, eh? No shame in silver. Yeah. Mm. City were better this year. Um, and uh, we got third, which is mm. good. Because a week ago, I was slightly shitting my pants that we might <laughs> actually get fifth uh, yes. until we managed to beat Newcastle. Was quite, a, quite a real possibility until Newcastle did not do as well. We, we have somewhat spluttered over the finish line, I think. Even, even at the weekend. I mean, yes, you know, scoring five is great, but you don't really want to concede four at home against Leicester City, do you? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Especially when Leicester have been in, in disarray in the past few weeks. Leave it mm. to Tottenham to give them some kind of standing going into the off-season. Anyway, we'll talk more about Tottenham. Uh, there there is a rumour, however, that Hugo Lloris had a dodgy lasagna the night before, Did which may, may be a reason, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I always think we need to have like spies on everyone associated with West Ham and Arsenal <laughs> before the last day of the season every year. I'm paranoid. Uh, right, before we go on, let's talk about Sir Alex Ferguson. He's awake. Yes. Uh, wonderful news. This time last week, we were obviously uh, very concerned, but uh, very, very good news. Uh, for he was, he was always going to beat it, wasn't he? Yeah. What, what a superstar. <laughs> he is a hero. Uh, so our best wishes again to Alex Ferguson as he continues to uh, recover, but very good news, and we're very happy to hear it. Um, other good news, not on quite the same level, <laughs> admittedly, um, but predictions. Um, now, as we know, we've been talking about this for weeks. Our good friend Dan Parkinson, who is uh, currently 
uh, hiding away in Baltimore after <laughs> Arsenal finished uh, even further behind Tottenham than they did last season. Uh, Dan has had a bet with me for the final 10 weeks of the season that he would at some point beat my record of 13 points out of 30 in our predictions league. He had a 10th and final chance. Guess how it went? He didn't match it, did no, he? got seven. Seven points. Now, uh, I actually got seven this week as well. So that's not. That's not <laughs> what, what was yeah. on the line? So, well, good question, Tom. I'm glad you asked. Um, uh, if Dan lost, which he had, which he now has, uh, he has. Well, I'm worried about how we're going to achieve this technically. Um, but what Dan has to do, we're going to go on the Arsenal Stadium tour, uh, <laughs> film it, and I am somehow going to feed him lines that he has to say. To the tour guide and other Arsenal fans while touring. So we'll need some kind of earpiece and also some way of filming it without it being too obvious. So I've got to work on the technical side, but when that happens, it will be glorious. Is there any way we can get a group pass to go along with us? I think yeah. if you guys want to come, you're welcome. We'll go as a group of the like only, 10. The only problem with going as a group of people is that you minimise the number of Arsenal fans who are there, for which Dan can say some outrageous lines to. So it's a small number of us there to watch him and fall to pieces in laughter That's but then true. there's got to be a strong enough number of Arsenal fans there mm. for them to sufficiently take the piss well yeah we, we do want people yeah we want an, enough unsuspecting um, members of the public uh, <laughs> now um, before we came on air Dugan you were asking me uh, at what point am I going to start rambling on about the World Cup again yep. the answer is now ah. um, I've just seen a story apparently according to 442 um, it is now official that there is not going to be an official England anthem yes. oh. this year. Now, that reminded me that I'd, made, I'd started some project which had <laughs> just totally gone off the boil because I forgot all about it a few weeks ago. We were going to create our own World Cup anthem. What stopped uh, you? Well, because I forgot. <laughs> uh, I say a lot of things, Tom, and, you know, not everything sticks. <laughs> but, but this one, I'm determined, will. So I'm glad they've made that announcement because it's reminded me that I need to write a letter to Dion Dublin uh, <laughs> and other are you sure that's failed what, England players. Are you sure that's when you weren't mentioning hearsay earlier on? They're actually coming around tonight? Maybe they could. I mean, like, what are they doing now? None of them went on to be famous, did they? There's no. one, there was one that was in Corrie. Um, oh, what was the name again? I have no idea. I don't watch Corrie, but yeah. No, they disappeared from... Shane Ward media. was in Corrie, wasn't he? he, just, he just, he's not yeah, even, no, he, he was, got he was. killed off last week, didn't he, or something? Yeah. Did commit suicide, so there's a lot though, of, so well, it's not, very not bring the tone down. In the North. Oh, is yeah. it? Uh, the North is My more point than... is that, you know, a lot of X Factor and Pop Idol and those people do end up on... On Curry, so maybe maybe there are some hearsay do have members S. kicking around. I do have Steve Brookstein's uh, number in my phone contacts if you want. No, you don't. Uh, where's he? Is he from around where you're from? No idea. Is he? <laughs> I didn't, so you were just saying that at random. He did. The, he did a great cover of what song did he cover? <laughs> Against all odds. I don't know. Against all odds. The second best version what of song? it. What song? What's that? Okay, do you know where Westlife sang it? Mariah Carey. Sing it. Sing a line from it. How can I just let you walk oh, away? Yeah, yeah, you leave yeah, without a train. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, that is a good song. All right, well, I'll look that up. That's going on the Spotify later. And also, Michelle McManus has been uh, lurking around the building earlier on, uh, rumouring that she might be on board for the song. Really? Mm. I'll tell you what, he knows more about this anthem than I do, and I invented it. Uh, so we will get on that. And actually, by the way, here's a nice little cliffhanger for you. Next week, we will have some huge news about our plans for World Cup coverage here on Armchair Fancast, so don't go anywhere. Well, go, you can go somewhere for six days, but come back <laughs> next Tuesday and hear that enormous news. But of course, next Tuesday's episode, yeah. as we know, our big season finale is what is still currently called The Fannies. Working title, working yeah. title The Fannies. If you come up with anything better, do mm. tweet Armchair Fancast. The first annual Armchair Fancast Awards, at end of season awards. Oh! Oh, and we are currently... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's done it! Uh, it's the World Cup. Uh, the reason that Tom just lost his shit there was uh, we are, we've got uh, Derby Fulham on in the background and Fulham have just scored to go 1-0 up so it's 1-1 on aggregate congratulations to them although by the time you're listening to this the result will <laughs> be well uh, long since known should we talk trivia quiz night quiz time uh, this is a very simple quiz question um, can you name the other golden boot winners other than Mo Salah in the Premier League oh. who have not won the Premier League ever on Dublin. So hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're going to do that at the end of the show, Thomas. Um, but our question today 
as I say, uh, golden boot winners from the Premier League from any season who have never at any point in their careers won the Premier League. Obviously, Mo Salah has joined that esteemed list, at least for now. Uh, and there are four others, only four. four I'm going to retract that. Who yeah. have, uh, I, who I have, think you won it with United. Do you want me, to, as, a, as a preview, since you brought it up, I, think I will tell you, Dion Dublin is not one of them because yeah. he did win yeah, we, with, yeah. not, with, Dub, uh, with Man United in 92-93. Uh, okay. Right. That's coming up in um, just about half an hour's time because for the next half hour, we are going to do our final goal mouth scramble of the season. This is going to be emotional. Oh, After 38 weeks, well, 44 episodes, still 43 episodes this is, I think, uh, our final goal mouth scramble of the season. And who knows, this could be the last time we hear this whistle sound effect because I might have found a better one <laughs> by August or, or invested in one at least. So, uh, gentlemen, we're going to do eight topics, four minutes each, eight of the hottest stories. From the football world, are you ready for this week's Goldmouth Scramble? Let's get going, Dave. Here we go, the whistle has gone, and we are going to start by combining two of the biggest stories of the week, because I want to ask you this. Who has revolutionised the Premier League more? Arsene Wenger, who, as you know, retired this week, or resigned, I'm not sure if he's retired. Arsene Wenger or Pep Guardiola? People are talking about the, uh, Pep Guardiola bringing a brand of football to the Premier League that have never been seen. And of course, Man City this week becoming Centurions, the first team ever in the history of the Football League, let alone the Premier League, the first top flight team ever to score uh, 100 points in a single season. Who is more influential, Alex Dugan? You've got to think of the time when those two people have started to exist in the Premier League. When Guardiola started to exist in the Premier League, City had the money, A. B, they had a playing style that was of a similar ilk in, in, a, in terms of, like, they, they liked playing possession football. They liked playing that um, kind of attractive brand um, that has been so successful with them in the last year. Um, when Wenger came to the Premier League, Wenger changed so many things. Wenger changed, firstly, how we view um, the entire rest of life around a sports player other than that stuff on the pitch. So, firstly, stuff on the pitch, firstly, talking about introducing technologies to track players and how they're performing beyond just what I, as a manager, see from the touchline and quantitatively how they're performing. B, Wenger introduced things beyond that, looking at diets, looking at general health and well-being and how to get the best out of players beyond that. And those measures changed the entire way, not only the Premier League functioned, but changed the entire way that sport in the UK functioned as an elite level athlete. That Guardiola, yes, has made a massive change at City. Yes, has redefined what success is almost without touching the invincibles but he's somewhat redefined what success can mean at a Premier League club but not, just, not just what success means at one Premier League club but the, but the, the, the template for how Premier League football can successfully so, be so everyone goes off Wenger's template the basis of mm. a Premier League club at the moment is we will have a sports nutrition we will have technology to track what the players are doing we will have personalised training um, regimes for these players to follow to maximise their own individual potential that all comes from Wenger and his input from 96 onwards mm. Guardiola's way of attacking football and going through those things yes is Change, changing the Premier League, but it's not the radical step that Wenger brought in. I mean, po- point taken on club infrastructure, if you like, or behind the scenes and how it's all, and, and yeah. the professionalism no, but, of how but, our club but, is. Like. When Wenger started, Arsenal had mm. eighty employees. Mm. Now they have over six hundred. But if you if you keep it to if you keep it to on the pitch, right? In terms of a total like tactical revolution, uh, is Guardiola up there? Because it seems to me like, for example, the role of a centre back, the role of a goalkeeper. Yeah. Is, is fundamentally changing by the minute in the Premier League, mostly because of Pep Guardiola. I think he's revolutionised individual roles from the team a lot more. I mean, you see the full-backs that are slotted into central midfield positions, that sort of thing. But I think it's, it's far too early to, to, to judge what sort of impact he's, ha- he's had. I mean, Wenger took a team that was notorious for winning 1-0 under George Graham and being like ridiculously defensive to being one of the most expansive teams in the whole league with like flair players like Henri, uh, Lundberg... Even utilising players like um, an ageing David Platt and Paul Merson to their full potential. So I think Wenger's done a lot more in changing Arsenal's style than um, Guardiola. I mean, even though they played differently under Mancini, they were still a very attacking team and had a lot of flair players like 
uh, De Bruyne and then Co and that sort of thing. So Wenger's, I mean, over 22 years, he's done a lot more for the game in Britain than uh, Guardiola. Although, saying that, if Guardiola stays around for another five or six years, we might change our minds. All right, now the whistle went, but we're going to stay sort of on City because um, we're talking about the, the, the dominance that, that Pep Guardiola and City have, have uh, been able to uh, enjoy this season. Um, Alan Shearer just today, like we're recording on Monday just today, has been saying that he uh, he thinks that City might be on course for a period of dominance in the Premier League. Um, who do we think is best placed, if anyone, over the next season or two seasons? to try and challenge Manchester City. Because, by the way, although we're talking about Man City having been so dominant this year and therefore likely to retain next year, um, it is actually quite difficult to retain the Premier League. It's been done very few times in the 26-year history uh, of the league since it became the Premier League. So, um, do we think City are on course for dominance? If not, who's going to stop them? No, they're not on course for dominance. And because it says the United fan. It says the United fan, obviously. But when you have a team that redefines what is success... The, everyone else sits there and puts that extra emphasis on them going away in the during the World Cup, outside of that, in the pre-season, to meet that and exceed that. The bar has been raised. Everyone else has a far bigger motivation and the impetus is on them to go forward and put themselves up even higher. We can go, we can go down through process of, of elimination, look at the things. Arsenal won't have enough money, uh, managers going to have to take enough time to set in. Chelsea are in disarray at the moment, they're going to have to set up, they're, gonna have to get, they're probably going to get a new manager, that's going to take time to set in as well. So you're really looking at Liverpool, uh, Tottenham and United. Now, Tottenham are going to be battling all summer to hold on to their players. Yes, you got into Champions League, mm. but far from convincingly. You're going to be battling to hold on to Dele Alli. You're going to be battling to hold, hold on to Harry Kane. But if they do? If they do, but but that, but that that's a big <laughs> if they do. A, a, if they do, but secondly, that's a lot of Levy and others' time. And we can talk later about how Levy's pretty shit, in them, but pretty shit in terms of his stature at the moment. But they're going to spend a lot of time holding on to those players as opposed to spending that time going out and getting new players to build that squad even further. Talk about Liverpool. Now, Liverpool have a, that attacking force will stay. And yes, that's a fantastic basis to build upon next season. But... A, all other teams know they need to strengthen their defence to make sure that they can cope with those players. And B, they've had a season of watching Liverpool players and you've got managers who are sitting there for the entire time in when they're not watching World Cup games or they've got nothing else to do in the summer. They're going to be sitting there watching that City, uh, City attack. They're going to be sitting there watching that Liverpool attack and working out ways to stop them from being so potent. So you've got that and then you've got a United team who, who have been underperforming for the entire season but have managed to get into a position where they are second in the league, convincingly second, convincingly enough second in the yeah, league. Yeah, but 19 points behind City. Yes, but yeah. 19 points behind City, but far, far enough beyond those who are challenging them at the moment. And a, a, a United team who are underperforming, and if you are able to rejig that in a sense where you get the most out of those players who are already there, let alone the additions that probably will be made over the summer, mm. you have a United team that has... The foundation of being second at the moment, a little bit behind, and the expectation that City will drop down a little bit next season, and United team can really push through and t- retake that title. I think that is one of the most impressive cases of cognitive, what's the word, <laughs> where you persuade yourself of uh, something that is fundamentally untrue that I've heard in some time. Clearly, and I've said this to, to you, Dugan, whenever I've opened my mouth pretty much in the last two <laughs> yeah. months, uh, it is unbelievable to me that United are in second. They are far and away not as good as Liverpool or Tottenham, as far as I can tell. And, and quite... Like quite aside from all the stuff you talked about, they have a very uninspiring coach, and not only an uninspiring coach, but one who could melt down at any minute, Tom. I mean, I think you've been a bit unfair on Man United. I think they are, Dugan is right in saying they are drastically underperforming and that sort of thing. But is, is I mean, are they, they, I mean why? Why are they? Players such as Pogba, Martial, and those sort of things haven't hit the heights that they probably are expected to do. So, I mean, if they can raise their game, um, I, can spe- I can see them getting close to Man City, but I think Man City are actually going to get stronger next season. Mm. I think the sort of weak areas that we possibly see. I mean, Torre's leaving, so they're going to have to replace them. So, see, I, I mean, I, I'm not even I'm not even trying to be biased pro Tottenham here. I actually don't think it'd be Tottenham. I think, but Liverpool, surely above United. Uh, yeah, I get that. You know, people are going to you know, realize they need to strengthen their defence, but Liverpool are not far away from being a side. And they, they they are they obviously have City's number when it comes to playing them one on one, and so it's not. 
I'm, I'm not, inconceivable that City uh, that Liverpool challenges. I'm not sure there is an argument anymore that they need to improve their defence. I think Trent and Alexander Arnold and Robertson have both come in the second half of the season. Van Dijk and Van Dijk can prove that they can compete at that level. So I mean, it's really the first season that let them down where they were playing the likes of uh, Moreno at left back and that sort of Mignolet was still in goal. So I mean, well, if they, li- they, need goal, they need a new goalkeeper for starters. Carrius isn't good enough to hold that mm. place. Mignolet's not good enough to hold it down either. But that, but that's only. But with Liverpool, you do get the impression there's only one to at most three positions where they need to strengthen for them to be right up there yeah but they need a squad to match that as well if you're it doesn't matter mm. about having those starting central defenders if they get injured you're playing Lovren week in week out that is then true. you're going to have yeah. flaws that come part um, as the season goes on that is true yeah the depth depth is a problem for the ball not, not, I, not I, sure I, I think Lovren's took a lot more flack than he probably deserves <laughs> I mean I think playing alongside Van Dijk's helped him out a lot and I think, in general, I think Liverpool's biggest mistake, as we've seen from tonight watching the Fulham uh, derby match, was letting Scott Carson go all those years ago. I mean, <laughs> he's their the biggest their mistake. Problems. That was their biggest mistake, was it? <laughs> and also possibly signing uh, Craig Bellamy or something like that. Um, now, the whistle went ages ago, and actually awesome. this segment was going to be about uh, Tottenham. So we'll stay on these three teams we're talking about, United, we Liverpool skip, and skip. Tottenham. No, well, it's going to be, you'll enjoy this, because okay. it's going to be uh, saying that Tottenham might not be doing very well in the near future. Fascinating press conference after... Uh, that 5-4 win over Leicester by Mauricio Pochettino. I've got this up on BBC here saying, uh, let me get the quote. If we want to be real contenders for big, big trophies, we need to review a little, said Pochettino. First of all, I need to speak with Daniel Levy. Uh, then we will know what we're going to do. I think it's a moment the club needs to take risks and, if possible, work harder than the previous season to be competitive again. So that sounds to me like a pretty thinly veiled um, uh, crit- critique, if you like, of Daniel Levy saying... The same thing that pundits have been saying quite correctly for the second half of this season, really, which is that Tottenham need to decide who they want to be. And if they want to be a team that can go up from being third or fourth and challenge for the league, they're going to have to pay the price that that costs financially. They're going to have to pay the wages. They're going to have to take some risks and bring in some big players. Because Tottenham are another team who you feel like are three or four players away from being title contenders. Yeah, but they're doing exactly what Arsenal did throughout their first several years at the Emirates. They bought a new stadium. They were, they've redeveloped, they're redeveloping slash kind of knocking down slash building a new stadium. That is the biggest overhead cost that Tottenham have over this time. Levy's biggest achievement is making Tottenham a semi-stable uh, Champions League side, despite your best efforts to fuck it up for him. Now, going forward with that. Levy is sitting there from a financial perspective, and he is the one who rules the club. Pochettino has some say in terms of who the players go after, but Levy will sit and say, this is the budget. If that doesn't work, then this doesn't work. But he'll sit there and say that um, the stadium is the priority. We have to repay that back. We have to, we have to match these things. And unfortunately, if your transfer uh, targets don't fall within what is required from that budget, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. And Levy is the biggest obstacle despite um, his past transfer dealings and other clubs thinking he's a little shit to deal with because he always drives a hard bargain and gets the most out of them, he is the biggest obstacle to Tottenham being a cemented top four club, to being a cemented Champions League quarterfinal, semi-final team. Do you think Daniel Levy minds that? Because I wonder whether, like, from a business perspective, you because know, a football club nowadays is big business, right? A Premier League football club, particularly for in the Champions League. And I wonder whether he's like, no, the business model is to uh, keep our outgoings relatively close to our incomings and, and try and, you know, consistently get top four rather than do what people, you know, uh, including Pochettino apparently, are saying saying we should do, which is to, you know, throw the kitchen sink at it and, and you know, probably won't be as dramatic as Leeds, but you know what I mean, like, you know, uh, feast or famine. You either, yeah, you win the Premier League or, or you completely blow it and go 10th. He'd rather go lower risk, stay up there. I think from a business perspective, it makes sense what they're doing. I mean, they can get away with getting Champions League football. I mean, and, and making a lot more money than they would from you know risking a lot more money. And what what, what are Spurs going to get out of it? Win an FA Cup? How how good financially is that going to be for Spurs? Shut up. <laughs> I mean, I think the, the, their main worry is wage reinvestment. I think. Although Kane's being paid a ridiculous wage as it is, I mean, compared to some of the other players in the world, he should be making like at least power those players. So if you want to keep them, uh, you need to pay the pay the wage and that sort of thing. But I don't think there are. If you compare every Spurs player like man to man with like City or United, that sort of thing, there's not really a lot of golf and difference. I mean, I'd argue they're a lot better than United and probably man to man. You know, this this whole argument it's, again in Levy's defence a little bit. You could say, well. 
you know, all this thing about if we want to push forward and be a, a, a team that challenges for the title. Well, granted, not this season, but no one challenged for the title this season. Last two seasons, Tottenham have been within, you know, with three or four games left, have been within four or five points and could have could have won the league. So it's not like they're not getting close based on the model they have. Yeah, but it speaks volumes when your chief executive or whatever leaves position is earns more than any of your players. You're really hooked up on this, aren't you? I'm really hooked up on it because the, the most valuable asset to your football club mm. are your players. Your chief executive is not the most valuable asset to your football club. Mm. If you have Harry Kane going and banging in the goals to you up front and scoring things like that, it's a wonder how he's managed to stay around and how he's been convinced to stay in this Tottenham setup. given that he can be earning probably two times his salary by going to Real Madrid or Barcelona, not Barcelona, but Real Madrid, Juventus. Could be going to United or City and earning more than that. But holding holding his loyalty hostage to Daniel Levy sitting there um, earning his nice £6 million sum a year is ridiculous. And that is why I think that Pochettino's got fed up with him. Because he's saying that you're earning more than these players and your value that you're bringing to this actively holding the club back is actually pissing off a lot of the Tottenham players. I would not be surprised if they left this year once it becomes clear again that Tottenham won't put significant investment into their club. We've, we've overrun, but just very, very briefly to finish on this. Um, given how surprisingly frank, even though it was, as I say, a kind of a veiled comment, it was still surprisingly frank, I think, from Pochettino. Does this, and please say no, does this uh, increase the possibility that Pochettino could be lured away this summer? Because until I heard him say that, I thought all these, you know, scare stories about him going away were were just Arsenal fans being bitter. But now I'm starting to worry a little bit. I mean, where, where's he going to go at this point? I mean, PSG have just signed Tuchel as their new manager. The options for him are where to go. I mean, I still think United is probably the most likely, but maybe, you know, he's holding out for the Arsenal job and take Kane with him to his boyhood oh, club. Che- I mean, Chelsea? Yeah, well, yeah, he's not going to Arsenal. Do not, <laughs> even, do not even raise that oh, possibility. Kane will take him to Arsenal, as we've yeah. seen with the pictures. So. Oh, please. Well, it, well, if Madrid lose the Champions League yeah, final, wouldn't be surprised if they bins down. Yeah. Okay, now, uh, let's go uh, to the other end of the table. And uh, <laughs> since we were last here a week ago, obviously we, we haven't been here since the midweek games either, so we've got a lot to talk about uh, because midweek West Brom officially went down uh, and then um, Swansea were all but relegated, but officially, of course, weren't relegated until the games on Sunday. Well, we've, as you can tell, we've wildly overrun because that's supposed to be the end of that segment, but we'll keep going with yeah, it. Talk about West Brom um, the biggest shock I thought from midweek was the fact that Swansea has a Marriott. A hotel. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, you didn't, it's not the kind of place you'd expect. It's the to have. second city of Wales, Dave. Oh, what? Come on! It's the second city of a nation. <laughs> it's surely it has a hotel that's nice. Do, do you know what we're talking about, Tom? You, you pulled a face like you don't know, even know what, why I'm referencing the Swansea Marriott. I was going to make a disparaging comment about the Welsh, but I don't want. I don't want to. Don't want to get yourself into Welsh, Welsh supporters. You're almost from Wales. Coventry is a West Midlands. It's out west. Isn't it? <laughs> anyway, um, that's, that's, like saying, that's like saying London's near Paris. It's like you're from the Jersey Islands or something like Channel Islands. Uh, I should say this is we're recording here. Fulham have just scored again, so it looks like Fulham it. might be going through to the Championship playoff final. Um, what went wrong then? Other than uh, Swansea uh, unsuccessfully trying to ruin Southampton's accommodation arrangements on Wednesday night, more broadly, what went wrong? Because Swansea have had a very interesting season. I like. I was, I was partly to my credit, I was saying that up until November, December, I was consistently saying for the first half of the season that Swansea were the worst team in the league and they were definitely getting relegated. And then when they brought in Carvajal and had that run of wins, I kind of shut up because it looked like there was no way they were going down. Uh, so now I'm very, you know, quickly bringing up my earlier predictions again. But wh- how, wh- how does that happen? That you have that bad of a first third of the season, you bring in a new manager... Can't can barely stop winning or at least drawing games, and then it all just goes to pot, and they lost what, what five in a row. To use the old cliche, form is temporary, class is permanent. Swansea's class was far too low to be in the Premier League. Their form managed to elevate them to a level of which they were competitive. They were managing to win some matches off the bounce of having a new manager. So, is it that simple? Is it simply that? Based on the quality of that squad, they are in the three worst teams in the league, uh, and they just happen to play well with that notorious new manager bounce, but really, they should always have been 18th or lower. I think it's a lot to do with their manager. I mean, you've seen like this season, like Rafa Benitez has had a, he's got a horrendous squad at Newcastle, and he's managed to get everything out of them. So I don't know, if, if the manager at Swansea is good enough, he would be able to sustain that over the season. I mean, I think the thing with Swansea has been poor investment in their squad. They paid a load, load of money to get Wilfred 
for Boney back at the, end of the start of the season. Why, why did they do that? Tammy Abraham started off initially well, but still he's a young kid and that sort of thing. And also they bought, was it Jordan Ayew that they brought back from West Ham for like 15, 20 million in January? He didn't score one goal. So, I mean, they've put all their money in these like, extravagant strikers, but I mean... It's not paid off for them. Um, we've already talked quite a lot about West Brom and why they were going down because it's been quite apparent for a long time they're going down. So the, the only thing I want to ask today about them is, um, despite the fact they've ended up going down, do we think Darren Moore is going to get that job permanently? No. No? Unfortunately not. I think it'll be a, a club hierarchy decision where they go for someone who is who has got a lot of standing in the championship. He knows what it means to get a championship side up into the playoffs, up into promotion battling. Um, Darren Moore, for have the fantastic job he's done, um, being a manager is different to manage, is different to running the first team. Being a manager is about the transfers. Being a manager is about running that side of the club, which a first team coach is not. So I wouldn't be surprised if Darren Moore stays as some kind of uh, first team coach or to that kind of level or assistant manager and then they bring in a new gaffer who runs that side of the club a lot more thoroughly than more be able to do now the other thing I want to ask you know, conversely with, with regard to the relegation picture is if, if we, we talked about what went wrong with West Brom and with Swansea what went right for Southampton uh, and for Huddersfield with Southampton I don't think much did go right I mean they were 8th last year they've just about survived with a little run of results at the end yeah. what's more interesting to me is Huddersfield because Huddersfield by all accounts should have been dead and buried they, you know, they were, I don't know what the odds were on them going down at the, at the start of the season but that is a remarkable job from uh, David Wagner isn't it I mean, if you ask me off the top of my head, I, I couldn't name you more than three Huddersfield players other than Tomins and the Australian lads playing centre mid. So I think who, who you apparently can't name. <laughs> yeah. Is it Moy? Moy? Or Mui, yeah. Mui, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he's creaked out everything out of those players. And I mean, I think there's a, a case for, you know, he's. There's, when going back to what Dugan was saying about West Brom, I actually think that Darren Moore should probably be given a chance. I mean, he's managed to get a lot out of those players. I mean, you saw when he, when he won the manager of the month, he brought like a, over 100 staff from West Brom. Mm. He's clearly got the support from the club in terms of the personnel there and that sort of thing. So I think it should be, it would be a fair option to give him the job, at least for the start of the season. I mean, mm. it's sort of, it might be a similar case to when Di Matteo kept the Chelsea job mm. after winning the Champions League. It's <laughs> either, for a little while. It's, <laughs> well, it's either sink or swim if going into the next season yeah. whether they can actually yeah. sustain it over a long period. I mean, anyway, Huddersfield, I was talking about West Brom's a lot more interesting. West Midlands, come on. <laughs> you know, you know politician that. thing where I ask you a question, you answer the question you want to ask. Uh, town are great. So you should. Hey, th- firstly, you should be able to name another town player because they're one of the very few p- town player. F- one of the very few players who's had their penis shown on live TV, and that's Danny Williams when he dropped his shorts when the, when the um, camera was on the bench. You could see it was a highlight of the season. It was a highlight of the season for um, uh, Huddersfield Town, who had very little else to shout about apart from staying in the Premier League. I think this week might have been a highlight. Yeah. Oh no. Yes. No. Yes. Staying in the Premier League. That's a big highlight for. Them. But what they managed to do was they are a team where they managed to get a greater result than the individual players on their own would suggest. What You've got a team of players whose quality, yes, is probably a championship side, whose budget, yes, is comparable to a championship side, who are going to vastly benefit from the um, monetary... Mm-hmm. Um, gains they make from staying in the Premier League they are set up in a sustainable manner where they should be able to reinvest in the squad and bring in some players who help cement them as a Premier League side and having been along and, and met um, quite a few people who run the setup there at town I would be absolutely delighted if a, if a side like that can come up into the Premier League sustain themselves for a season and then make themselves a regular fixture in the Premier League I, I should say I, I don't want to take credit but I do think I'm partly responsible for Huddersfield staying in the Premier League because when they were they were here playing Chelsea, you know, we were recording in uh, in Kensington just around the corner from uh, from Chelsea, uh, and uh, I saw the Huddersfield players were working out at my gym last Wednesday daytime, and they walked past me on the street Wednesday afternoon, and I gave them a thumbs up. Uh, and you know, I, I like to think that that might have motivated them um, <laughs> to get the result at Chelsea that they did. No comment, Dave. <laughs> but I would like to, one one last point on on Huddersfield. I mean, although they did manage to stay up, um, I think we should take a minute to uh, reflect upon a very sad moment for Huddersfield and uh, football in general. What? what? Dean Whitehead has retired from football. Has he? 
Yeah, he announced his retirement last week. So, you know, uh, big shout out to Dean. He's a big, big fan of the show. Um, a lot of appearances for Stoke. Couldn't name off the top of my head, but, you know, a credit to the game. And, you know, we're not going to talk about Michael Carrick. We're not going to talk about even about John Motson. Leon Britton. No. Possibly Wayne. We're going to talk about Wayne. What is Dugan so passionate about Huddersfield? I've got family from Huddersfield. I've, been, I've sat in the director's box for Huddersfield for the United game of the FA Cup. You never know. You never know what he's going to get worked up about. The prawn sandwich brigade at uh, Huddersfield. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Now, um, one thing I do want to talk about is uh, the, the managerial merry-go-round, if you will, as we head into next season. Because there's lots of teams, particularly the sort of teams who've had mediocre mid-table finishes, who you get the impression uh, are looking to shed their managers. And I went through the list. Went down the table the other day of the 17 teams who are staying in the Premier League for next season. And I think I counted eight who might not have the same manager that they have now at the start of next season. So Arsenal, for one, obviously. Yep. Chelsea, yep. two. Everton, if they get rid of Allardyce. Mm-hmm. Leicester City are looking to get rid of Puel. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I included Benitez at Newcastle, but that depends on, yeah, that that depends on whether he feels like he gets the support <coughs> from Mike Ashley. That would be him leaving as opposed to being sacked. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying... Yeah, I'm, not okay. saying, are you just saying yeah, I'm just saying, general? like, in general, there could be okay. almost half of the league who mm. have different managers before the start of next season. Watford, I think, are trying to get rid of uh, Gracia. West Ham, uh, BBC reporting tonight that West oh. Ham are actively uh, right on the brink of parting ways with David Moyes, so that seems like it's going to happen in the next 24 hours. Um and then Southampton and Mark Hughes. Well, Mark Hughes probably keeps his job, but I don't know how many I've said that. But that's seven or eight. That's a pretty uh, large number of clubs. That's about half of the teams staying in the Premier League who have an uncertain managerial situation. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and it also what shows is that it's not going to be a kind of mix and match between those eight just kind of shifting around themselves. By having like Chelsea, Arsenal, I hesitate to include Everton, but you generally include Everton that kind of semi-top bracket of management uh, material, they're going to have to look abroad and they're going to see at least like three or four new faces in the Premier League. Mm. Um, Benitez, I can see thinking I can't be bothered with the stuff in Newcastle. I've proved what I need to prove. I've done, I've won the Champions League, I've won these things and now I've kept a team who were almost dead cert for relegation. I've kept them in the Premier League and he's done almost everything he needs to achieve for me. By the way, hilarious. All those Chelsea fans when Benitez was at Chelsea saying he's not good enough to play to manage Chelsea and then, and then Newcastle beat Chelsea 3-0 on the last day of the season nice, there was something yeah. mildly amusing about that what was it what, yeah. there's a fat Spanish waiter is what they used to sing about Benitez no, he's, he smashed it he's completely stuck a couple of fingers up to them and I'm very very happy for him um, we, 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 we have a turn with Leicester and with a couple of others we've talked about in some depth in previous weeks about whether we think they are justified those fans in wanting to get rid of their managers um, who out of that list of seven or eight teams we've just said other than Newcastle uh, do you think they absolutely should not be getting rid of their manager. Who, who do you think for the rumours of their manager leaving is ridiculous? I think I think I like Dice is ridiculous that yeah. they want to get rid of him. I mean, Everton they spent 150 million odd, you know, trying to break into that top six bracket last season. I mean, realistically, they're not going to get into that now. I think seventh and eighth place is where they where it's just a reflection of where they're at. So I mean, although Allardyce doesn't play the most attractive blunder football, you know, they were. Went and won 3 1 against West Ham at the weekend. So, well, no, they lost 3 1. Yeah. <laughs> Correction. Yeah, Sack Allardyce, he's shit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's done a good job to get them to 8 for after the shit they were in at the start. Um, I think Puel is quite harsh against him. You know, yeah. again, Leicester City, what, where do they expect? I mean, although they won the league in 16, I mean, you can't expect them to do that every season. I think it's like that Watford will sack their manager just because they... Watford should sack their manager. Watford are fucking terrible. Well, but they sack their manager every three months and they don't get any less terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but you've got to pick the right one. You've got to... Yeah, there are so many managers, but Watford, no, they're not working at the moment. Are they still the worst team in the Premier League? Is that what the Telegraph is? Oh, no, it's Guardian. They're the most inept in terms of, like, throwing the ball to the other team, scoring their own goals, ridiculous measures like that. Um, What winds me up with Everton... And actually, to be honest, back in the day when we were dreadful, it used to wind me up a bit about Tottenham fans as well, right? Was was when you hear Everton players saying like, or sorry, Everton fans saying, yeah, but we want somebody who plays the Everton way. Every single club seems to think their way is free-flowing attacking football because at one point in the 1970s or 80s, they briefly played that way. Mm. Like, I don't get it. Like, you win games. <laughs> the Everton way in the 80s was fantastic Dave yeah in the 80s for like four years <laughs> that doesn't mean you have a, a, a 200 year history of being a brilliant 
free-flowing football club. It's a, and I say it's saying with Tottenham. Like, Tottenham uh, fans used to go on and on about the Tottenham way because we used to have Glenn Hoddle. Like, yeah, granted, Tottenham are playing an attractive style of football now, and I, and I appreciate you, it's more interesting for the fans if you are playing that way. But when you had Glenn, Glenn Hoddle, what did you win of then FA Cups? Well, yeah, nothing. I mean, FA Cups a lot, but that was it. <laughs> <laughs> so you've actually regressed. Yeah, well, they've got a point, Dave. <laughs> I, I don't think bring, I wait, bring wait, back, wait, 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 wait. Bring back Glenn Hoddle, <laughs> apart from his views on um, uh, reincarnation and that sort yes. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, um, we're going to talk about Wayne Rooney. Uh, Rooney has retired, uh, or well, no, he's not retired. He has probably played his last Premier League game. He's probably retired from the Premier League, not from professional football, because it sounds like yeah, he's gone to what is essentially a retirement home. Which is I'll I'll argue against that, which is the MLS. (laughs) He is apparently uh, going after just one year back at Everton. He's going to go to DC United for a reported twelve million pounds to see out his days uh, as a footballer. Uh, on the other side of the Atlantic. Not really interested in talking about DC United or MLS, but I do want to ask, is Wayne Rooney a Premier League great? Or, or rather, where does he rank in the annals of Premier League greats? Because there is that kind of like cloud that constantly hangs over the career of Wayne Rooney. From, the, from 2004, when we were all talking about him as England's next Gascoigne or whatever, um, to... Uh, to not quite achieving maybe what we all had, which was possibly slightly over-ambitious aims for him. That's a completely stupid argument. I mean, he's so much better than Gascoigne in terms of what he's achieved in his I career. Gascoigne might be a bad example, but still, like there, there, was, there were great hopes for Wayne Rooney, and he's turned out to be a very good player, but not a legendary one. I think he's been a world-class player. I mean, at, at times, I think, I mean, he's won at, at least six Premier Leagues. He's won the Champions League. Um, he's got to multiple finals in addition to that. I think that, what we measure players a lot on is international success, which, I mean, for England, we might as well not bother. Mm. So I think in terms of club football, he is in the top 10 probably Premier League players that we've seen in terms of goals, assists. I think he's harshly measured just because of his private life. I mean, he is... You know, really? You think that's why? Yeah. Well, I, 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 think, I, think, I think beyond that, I think the private life is one thing, but I think, secondly, to be a Premier League great, you have to be unreservedly put forward by your own fans. And unfortunately for Wayne Rooney, United fans will think of him as a player. He was fantastic for the club, but ultimately a tosser. He's a tosser because he um, hold United, held United to ransom um, in contract negotiations, threatened to leave the club at various different points in order to maximise his own money. And that, whether that's exactly what happened or not, that is the view that United fans will hold. We'll hold him as a player who is our ultimate top goal scorer. Fantastic. As a player who did amazing things for the club, yes. Was part of that Rooney, Ronaldo, Tevez trio that tore apart the Premier League, tore apart Europe for a couple of seasons. But ultimately, a player who is selfish, who holds himself first beyond that of uh, the fans, beyond that of the league and beyond that of their country in general. And whilst Rooney statistically will be one of the greatest players the Premier League has ever seen, he is not a Premier League great for those reasons. I mean, isn't he though? 208 goals. He's the second highest goal scorer of all time in the Premier League. He is the, the highest England goal scorer of all time. You just right. contradict you. So you said he is, he's, a, he's ultimately a Premier League great, but he's not based... Statistically, <laughs> statistically, he's a Premier League great. Statistically, he'll be there on those highest lists. Statistically, he'll be the greatest goal scorer United have You're saying character seen. matters. And character matters. Though we, we're, United fans will prefer talking about Bobby Charlton as, the, as they will to, to Ray Rooney. United fans will prefer talking about the achievements of Ryan Giggs and his appearances and those kind of things <laughs> as opposed to what as opposed to Wayne Rooney the loyalty to the club is something that Rooney uh, completely admonished when he held United to ransom over his contract negotiations and yes fans from other clubs may may talk about um, his kind of affiliation with the sexual activities with nannies I, I don't think it's to do with that like, I, I think that's one thing I don't, I don't think I, when, you, when you are no. not unreservedly supported by your club mm. you cannot expect to be put up there and Push forward one of the Premier League. Also, though, I will say, as 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 a not non-United fan, I've forgotten about the contract stuff. I don't think that for anyone who's not a United fan, I don't think that's his legacy at all. Yeah, but to be put to be one of those greats, the cement base of your pushing forward to be a great is Mm. those 
fans from your club. They're the ones who get you into the discussion in the first place and who, who hold you there. Mm. If you're not, if you are as a club, as a, as a fan, not willing to sit there and say, yeah, you'll be kind of slightly reserved about that player, about Rooney in this instance being in that. But I don't care what United fans think. I don't, yeah. I, I'm not going to say Wayne Rooney's not a not a Premier League great because United fans don't think he is. I, I just think United fans are wrong. I think you're based on his statistics. You're based yeah. on what his peers think. I mean, he's been in the PFA Team of the Year and that sort of thing. He's been in the Euro 2000 Team of the, uh, team of the Tournament and that sort of thing. Uh, ultimately, I mean, he's not going to be one of, one of the most loved players that that's ever been, but like statistically, he is a great. Um, speaking of greats, I've just realised the final whistle went, but we actually somehow managed to skip an entire segment. It's quite an important one, so we'll do it very briefly. Uh, I was I, I going to ask, because um, the other big story, the other big record that fell this week, other than the Premier League uh, um, points total, was of course... The Premier League goals in a 38-game uh, season, 32 goals for Mo Salah is a record. He is this season's Golden Boot winner. Um, has Mo? Uh, the question I wrote, and I put this on our WhatsApp group today for for the podcast. Right? Was uh, has Mo Salah just had the greatest se- single season of any player in Premier League history? I think I meant striker actually, but I put player. <laughs> uh, and Dan, bless him, who is in uh, America this week. That's why he's not here. He's there for a couple of weeks. Uh, has got quite a bee in his bonnet about it. I think it's because he's he's, he's worried that his mate Thierry Henry's legacy is is up for grabs. So here here he says, oh, I'll read you what Dan's put. It's quite a rant. Uh, Thierry Henry in 2000, I'm going to say it in an angry Dan voice, in 2003-04 scored 30 goals and got 20 assists for the team who beat, who won the league, capital letters, unbeaten. They, they did draw 12 games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in 2007-08. Slightly negative. Uh, to be fair, he's then gone on to say in 2007-08, Ronaldo scored 31 goals in 31 starts um, for United, who won the league that season. Salah's had a good season, but let's not get caught up in hyperbole. He then also says that Kante's season for Leicester two years ago <laughs> was better than Salah. So I'm starting to wonder if he's a little bit drunk um but Salah how where does this season um put him uh, yes I, I I don't think we need to have the debate about it doesn't make him one of the all-time Premier League greats because you've got to do it consistently and at the moment he's a one season wonder I think we'll all say that but as a single season goes there are very few that can beat it I think individually it's up there with the, the greatest ever seasons but um it, I think you have to measure it in terms of like team performance and that sort of thing. I think you have to win the league and have a great individual season to be counted as being the best season ever. So I would actually agree with Dan and say Ronaldo is probably a better shout. But there are other players, I think Shearer in 94, 95 and that sort of thing, who probably did more to contribute to that overall thing and be considered above what Sars achieved this season. And to be fair, Henri in 04. I don't count that. 12 yeah. draws. Right. <laughs> yeah. Dugan, what do you reckon? Uh, no. Um... I think there are more players who've had a far uh, beyond the. When you, when you look at the, these uh, these kind of things, you've got to look beyond the goals. You've got to look at the players who, if you think about that team, would not. They are the linchpin underneath that. And yes, while Salah has provided the goals and that, there are those who go beyond the go underneath the limelight. Do not get that um, spotlight put on every week, like Kante, like um, I probably argue Ferdinand for United team for a significant amount of time was a player who held that defence um, and kind of cement uh, was that. Uh, difference between uh, that catalyst between defence and attack and other players who are immediately justified going forward Salah yes he's had a fantastic season but not quite enough to be the underlying I think you'd have to see like the difference between like where a player like their goals or saves and that sort of thing would make them different where they would be in the league I think that's that's why that's why people held that thing against Lukaku for Everton he scored goals that ultimately meant nothing to the result let me okay let me ask this we need to stop so let me let me just ask you this very quickly though right um if it's all about not just not just your individual performance but about the teams you're playing for winning something then does the destiny, assuming Egypt and Portugal don't set the world on fire at the World Cup, right? If it's about club football, does the destination of this year's Ballon d'Or depend on who wins the Champions League final? If Real Madrid win, it's going to be Ronaldo again. If Liverpool win the Champions League, Salah gets the Ballon d'Or. What do you think? I think it'll all depend on the World Cup, I think. Well, let's, let's assume, given the, given the teams are in, yes, granted Portugal won the Euros, but in general, I think it's relatively safe to assume that neither of those two teams probably get to the semis, right? So then neither of them are going to be potentially the star of the World Cup. So assuming that's true, what do you think? 
You've stumped me here, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it seems the way FIFA works is that if good. if Real Madrid win, it will go to uh, Ronaldo. If Real Madrid don't win, even then it will most likely go to Ronaldo uh, because there's there's no way they'll or, or even Messi. But not let's not knock out Messi here. When when Barcelona had a near unbeaten season, yes, they lost five four um, a couple of days ago. By the time this is being released, but Messi's had an incredible season among Barcelona. So if, for publicity purposes. And knowing FIFA in the organisation has not changed that much since these um, the, the corruption scams have gone forward. It will be one of those two. For Salah to get it, he'd have to do something utterly mind-bogglingly incredible. And unfortunately, he has not quite met that. Uh, all, all right, all right. It comes down to corruption of FIFA, whether who's going to get the Ballon d'Or. No, it's, a massive, it's a massive... Like, it, it, like the, the balls of the, the decision to give it to somebody who's not it, Ronaldo it, or Messi. It's based on, like, newspaper reports around the no, world, not on FIFA. Oh, Alex Dugan is on rip-roaring form today. He's been watching too many yeah. Flat Earth podcasts yeah. and yeah. documentaries and stuff. You don't watch a podcast, mate. <laughs> Well, <laughs> ma- ma- maybe Dave. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of Mo Salah and speaking of the Golden Boot, it is time to go back to our quiz question uh, from the start of the show. Don't look at my screen. I can't, I've got glasses on. Uh, okay, good. Well, that's, that's good for me. All right, so I asked you, other than Salah, uh, who is one of the five, can you name the other four players in Premier League history who have won the, uh, the Golden Boot in any season, but at no point in their careers have won the Premier League? So any Golden Boot winners who have never won the Premier League, other than Salah, there are four. Dugan. Michael Owen. Michael Owen, yes. He won uh, in 98 and in 99 the Golden Boot for Liverpool. Both times, by the way, only 18 goals was enough, to win, was enough to win Golden Boot. <laughs> he, he won the Premier League with Man United. No, he didn't. Well, I, I want you to verify these facts, Dave. I'll, I'll double check that, but I'm okay. pretty sure that's I'm correct. I'm sure he got en- en- enough, enough games. No, I don't think win. he did. I don't think he did. Well, he's on my list. So, all right, Dave, we'll have to... Uh, well, let's not, let's not over-check it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go with Kevin Phillips, then. I'm gonna, I will check it. Kevin Phillips is wrong. What? Kevin Phillips never won the Golden Boot. He got 30 goals in a season. Kevin Phillips won did he? Yeah, he got 30 goals in 2000. Oh, this might be one of those times when I've really badly researched the quiz. Dave, he won, he won the European right, Golden we'll put Boot. Phillips is a maybe. Kevin, Kevin Phillips won the Golden Boot. Right, fine, I've missed Phillips. So there's, there's five. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Phillips is one of them. All right, yeah. Uh, hands up, I missed, I missed <laughs> Phillips, but I maintain that Owen doesn't. Owen has never technically won the Premier League. Interesting. Um, uh, a big ball player. He wasn't the one. Chelsea was shit for a while. Uh, Hasselbank. Yes, Hasselbank. I thought that would be the one you'd struggle with. Uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank uh, won it twice, the Golden Boot, for two different clubs. Leeds in 98-99. Chelsea in 2000-2001. But he has never had a Premier League winner's medal. There are two more. <laughs> or maybe more. <laughs> Did Les Ferdinand ever win it? Les Ferdinand never won Golden no. Boot. No. Uh, Did Les, Ferd- Les Ferdinand never won the league? Did he? No, but in terms of did he win the Golden Boot? So he's never won either. Well, the whole point of the question is that they didn't win the league. Well, he's won neither, so he shouldn't, shouldn't even be in the discussion, Tom. It's my well, he, he might have won the Golden Boot, Dave. No, he hasn't. <laughs> I'm sure he hasn't. Anyway, shut up. Do uh, Shearer. Shearer won the league with Blackburn. Uh, the, the other two are pretty obvious. How obvious? Very. Oh, bloody hell. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Hi. Davis. Not Kevin Davies. Kevin Davies? <laughs> I'm struggling right now. I've got very little to offer, Dave. Oh, Tom's got a thoughtful look on his face. Torres? No, not Torres. Oh, Suarez. Suarez. Yeah, yeah Suarez hey, in 2014 did have the joint uh, record for uh, goals in a in a 38-game season. At least 31 goals in 2014 <coughs> was enough for the Golden Boot. But, of course, Liverpool did not win the league that season Ooh. because Steven Gerrard fell over. Oh, no, 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 I've got the last one. Yeah. You're fucking your boy, Harry Kane. Yes, indeed. Harry Kane, who was the Golden Boot winner in 2016 and 2017. By the way, uh, given that that goal that could have been Ericsson's was, uh, was given to, to Kane, he actually got 30 goals, which was more than he got last year. That's 29 good. goals last year. And he, uh, last year, that was enough for the Golden Boot. It's an absolute farce, although I do feel sorry about the FA have treated him since. He is a, a thir- yeah, indeed with that tweet. He's a 30 goal season player. Oh, Let's it? not categorise that as the whole FA. That's some social media manager, somewhere like low to mid levels down the food chain, who thought it'd be funny at the time, and they got slapped down and probably sacked by their managers. It was quite funny, and it's worth the sacking, to be honest. It reflects some deeper structural problems going on. <laughs> <in the FA. laughs> 
I can't believe Alex Dugan, for everything he's just been saying on this podcast, let's not blame an entire organisation. <laughs> <laughs> dear, oh dear. Um, right, let's have a look at this week's fixtures. There's one that matters. It's the FA Cup final. Wow, Dave. Uh, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Coventry City are going to Notts County. Tell us about that. Yeah, we're going away for, uh, Friday, yeah. second leg of the League 2 playoff, so... yeah. Uh, one more on the first leg. Way goals don't count in League Two playoffs, apparently. So. Saying there's only one. Moment. When's the um, Championship player final? Because that's actually the richest uh, game. Is that next Monday? It week, might be before we're back. It's a week Saturday. Is it? So yeah, we it's will. Just day okay. of Champions League so final. We, oh, is it? Same yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, oh my goodness. Day. Okay, right. Fine. Well, that's that's not next this coming week. Uh, let's talk about the FA Cup final. Uh, we have a Man United fan in the room. Are you going to win the FA Cup? Uh, yes. What makes you confident? Chelsea are a team who are in somewhat disarray, who have a manager who's not going to be there next season, and a uh, squad of players who are, I would imagine, are somewhat unwilling to play for that manager, knowing that their time is potentially up. Um, and you have a United squad who are, who have several players with uh, with things to prove. You have Rashford, who had a average display at the weekend despite getting a goal. You have um, but, uh, Martial, who's playing for his place in the squad. You have uh, Herrera, who's playing for that new spot in midfield that Carrick's vacated. You have a good amount of very serious players who are playing for their positions in the United starting eleven for next year, or playing for their positions in the squad for that matter. And and it's going to be a very interesting game, one which I think United will win by 2-1. Is it possible, just possible, that there is a repeat of the 2016 situation where Louis van Gaal won the FA Cup and got immediately fired, but this time with Chelsea? Could Conte win the FA Cup and <laughs> lose his job at the final whistle? I think he's more likely to walk than be sacked. I think yeah. Abramovich has actually become a lot more sensible over the last few years. Which <laughs> I mean, there was room for improvement, wasn't there? Um, I, I mean, I think he just looks like he wants to go back to Italy. I mean, the Italy job's gone now. Did it, if, if the if the Venice manager decides to go to uh, <laughs> if he decides to go to, go to Arsenal, then I mean that gives it Conte an easy chance to go back, you know, and win the Serie A for the eighth time I mean, in a row. What a ridiculous yeah. fucking league! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why we're throwing so much shade at Italy all of a sudden, but right, so I'm enjoying it. Let's, go, let's keep well, going. We're yeah. going. Okay. playing the Italian Football Association. Yeah. They're clearly <laughs> corrupt, aren't they? <laughs> but no, no, the, um, the the banner headline in the Times today was Conte has been the biggest letdown in a season of failings for Chelsea. Mm. I'd be very surprised if he manages to keep his job. I would walk. I think was, if I were him, and regardless of the decision um, or, or what happens in the FA Cup final, I would walk within a week. Um, I think he'll probably do so to save face. If not, Chelsea, I believe, will sack him and find themselves a manager for next season. Um, the other thing that's happening this week that's of note is not a football match specifically, but the announcement of a squad. So Gareth Southgate has <laughs> said he will, about three weeks earlier than he needs to, actually, by, according to the deadline, has said he will already name his 23-man squad this week. Um, we'll talk about what we're expecting from that squad in a second. But first of all, is that a wise move? Is that that makes sense to make the decision public earlier than you need to I think it's, it gives a boost the players I think you know that if they get told three weeks earlier that they're going you know that's going to give them a lift they'll give them a chance to go away not having to worry about whether they're going to make the squad or not you know the five on the side uh, that he's going to leave on standby they can also start vision, uh, like preparing for it and that sort of thing so I, I applaud Southgate for that decision uh, Dugan, what do you reckon? Um, I think it's only beneficial to the squad. It creates, as you as you said, it creates that certainty for players that is going to be ultimately settling for them before they make uh, that trip over to a really unfamiliar territory of Russia. Are you standing up because you need to pee? Yes. Go on, go to the toilet. Uh, right, before we go then, Tom, what do you reckon? Uh, any surprises we're going to see in this 23-man squad? Um, well, Dugan won't be coming back next season. We might as well start talking about that. I'll tell you what, yeah, we need to replace him. We need someone whose bladder can hold a full 60 minutes. You know, I know you've been mentioned about bringing Dan back as well, but, you know, he seems happy in Baltimore. So yeah, leave him there. I think yeah. we should just make it a, a more intimate podcast next season. I was talking though. about the England squad, not our squad. <laughs> <laughs> but, let, but let's do it. Let's make some personnel decisions on the fly now. Yeah, what's your, what's your, what's your, what are your true thoughts about Dan? Well, I don't think we should have Boutros back either, to be honest, because... I've never met Boutros, but from what I hear, yeah, he's, uh, he's well. Yeah, we won't we won't talk into yeah. go into it anymore. No. Anyway, um, thoughts on the England squad? England squads. Well, Boutros is in it, but um, I think Lalana. He looks good at the weekend. What, in uh, the twenty minutes he played. Oh, but he's got the, the, the most magical feet in the whole of England. He's so. barely played. Well, he'd be fit for the World Cup. I love he? Adam Lallana, but I, I, can he? Re- if, if Gareth Southgate has been talking about, oh, if you want to be in the squad, you've got to be playing regularly for your, for your team. If that is the basis, he can't now pick out Adam Lallana. 
I mean, we've just watched Sessegnon bow to his knees after getting the Fulham to the playoff final. I mean, yeah. he's been playing game after game. He's a creative attacking player. Do we take him? Well, probably not, I would think. What about someone like Alexander-Arnold? There's a lot of talk that he might squeeze into the squad now. Um, he's another fl- uh, flexible player, can pl- uh, showing that he can play centre midfield as well. I mean, the problem is that they never tend to take more than t- more than one fullback, uh, right fullback anyway. They normally tend to slot over a centre back over to right back. So if we're already taking Trippier and Walker, um, is there a case that this might become too early for Alexander-Arnold? All right, right. We're going to stop there. Dugan is back from the toilet, uh, so he's here just in time to uh, to to say goodbye. Well, just before we go, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at Armchair Fancast. As always, uh, we are hosted on SoundCloud. You can also get us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. There are links to all four of those in the description. Um, we are not in the daily soccer. I've got the standard uh, public notices to give. We're not in the daily soccer digest this Friday with our fantasy oh. Premier League predictions because the fantasy Premier League is over. Who won our little mini league, Tom? Um, I think it folded halfway through the no, season. I don't think it did. <laughs> I think I was victorious. Uh, Dugan. Oh, did, 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 but what? Oh, we're out of time, Dugan. I'm well, afraid. Oh, we're out of time. Yeah. Who beat you in the um, LSCSU Survivors uh, League? Doesn't matter. Yeah, you don't doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't We have a little victorious. Victorious. I will take the take the glory that comes with getting over two thousand points in our league. Well, speaking of glory, the as as Tom was uh, just mentioning, the final whistle just gone at Fulham in the background. Congratulations to them. They are in the playoff final. Just as we're finishing recording here, we will be back next week for the first annual armchair fancast end of season awards currently working title the fannies uh we need to work on that a little bit more in the next seven days tommy you weren't here last week have you got any possible names what for the fannies yeah um i don't know the armies you put me on the spot today oh yeah i thought you might have a bit of creativity but obviously um the vardies I'm not calling it that. Right. <laughs> so we'll, get, we'll get bottles of WKD and come round here and sit round here. I'm, I'm sorry I asked. Anyway, thanks for coming, Tom. Uh, thanks to Dugan as well for being here, even if his bladder didn't hold the full 60 minutes. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Dave Bradshaw. We'll see you next week for our awards show here on the Armchair Fancast. Fancast.